0: hello and welcome to the second episode of the you play rugby question mark podcast by the university of leeds women's rugby union team for those of you who do recognize my voice i'm afraid to say that this episode is again being run by me so my name is joy cummings and i'm the club captain So today I'm going to be discussing questions that every female rugby player is asked um, and also looking into and debunking some general misconceptions about female sport. So we'll start off the podcast today with possibly the most common question female rugby players are asked. And this is simply, you play rugby? Wait, do you mean like touch or you play actual rugby? You'd be surprised how many times we are genuinely asked this question. It's kind of insane to me. Um, And and sadly for myself, people who do ask me this question clearly don't follow me or care at all about any of my social media because my social media is covered in probably about 95% photos of me and the team in rugby shirts or rugby socials. But get this question? You play rugby? It's still asked. And so I think there are two kind of main reasons why this question is asked. Firstly, due to the fact that the game is very physically demanding. And therefore, due to men's kind of on average higher strength and more physical nature, rugby has often been perceived as a man's sport. So males have a higher proportion of muscle mass on average than women. So the total weight of their muscles is higher than in females. Um, And they also have high levels of testosterone. So obviously, muscle mass varies massively between individuals due to loads of factors like age, health, fitness, genetics and body type. But on average, it is true that males have a higher muscle mass than females. And in fact, the main difference that males are often stronger than females is simply due to this, that males have a higher quantity of muscle mass and females are generally kind of smaller and they have higher body fat percentages due to um, the kind of evolution of females and the fact that we give birth, meaning that we need higher body fat. So a study showed that 97% of the differences in uh, strength between males and females were simply just due to the fact that the males had higher muscle mass So if you were to take a male and a female that had the same muscle mass, they would probably have similar strength. I think this is really promising, but the female physiology does actually have an advantage for training. So females have nine times more oestrogen than men, which means that they have a higher muscular repair. So our muscles can repair quicker than males. And we also have an increased ability to prevent catabolism. So catabolism is the breakdown of larger molecules into smaller molecules. And this includes the molecules which make up our muscles. So if we can prevent catabolism, then we can reduce the effects of um, the breakdown of our muscles and therefore kind of maintain our muscle and our muscle mass for a longer period of time. So this means that females can recover quicker than males and it also allows females to do more sets and more reps and more workouts leading to on average higher training volume. And there's also research that females fatigue a lot less than men. So I think this is really exciting and it means that if we can kind of fine tune female rugby training specifically for our female physiology, then we can definitely close in on this gap and help to remove the idea that rugby is a men's sport due to their higher physicality. So the second reason why I think the question, oh, you play rugby, is asked, is because there is actually a higher proportion of male players than female players globally, but particularly in the UK. So if there actually are more male players than female players, then it kind of makes sense that rugby is perceived as a man's sport because it predominantly is because there are more male players. So I had a look into this, and I looked at the proportions of male and female rugby players um, over a load of different countries, and it was really obvious to me that these proportions were very different for different countries. So I looked at some statistics from 2015, and it showed that Kazakhstan had the highest proportion of female players, with over 47% of registered adult rugby players being women. Now, Kazakhstan has been known to have about a rough 50-50 split for male and female players, but this is really exciting. And Kazakhstan were then followed by China and Tunisia, who had over a third of their rugby playing population being female, followed by the US, which has a quarter of their rugby playing population being female. Surprisingly, England actually has less than 9% of rugby players being female, and France had less than 6%. And to me, this is quite surprising because these are two countries which are kind of more traditional rugby nations, where rugby has been played here by females for a longer period of time. Yet they still have fewer females involved. Whereas countries which are more newer to the game, like China and Kazakhstan, for example, have a higher proportion of female players. So I thought this was quite interesting. Uh, following the World Rugby's plan to accelerate the global development of women in rugby from 2017 to 2025, I then looked at some more recent statistics since the kind of this plan had been put into place. And I found that now, on average, female rugby players account for between 25 and 30% of the total rugby playing population. So if you were to take four random rugby players in the world, at least one of them would be a female. I think this is really exciting to show the global growth of rugby. And whilst England may be behind some other countries in the proportion of female players, the figures are growing globally massively. And at least the UK does have a huge potential to expand. And so it's really exciting to see where the female game will go in the UK. So the next question or series of questions which female rugby players are often asked include questions like are you allowed to tackle is the pitch full size do you play over a full size ball and um <laughs> i just want to clarify right now that in rugby the men's and women's teams play exactly the same game this means that we play the same rules we play on the same size pitch we use the same size ball and yes we're allowed to tackle it's pretty astonishing to me that people will generally ask these questions i'm often not sure if they're a joke um but I decided to do the podcast on this topic and I'm here to debunk. So there you go. So female rugby players also have a very similar training to the men. And this is kind of because the men's game has a much longer history and has been around for a longer time. So women's training and the techniques which we've developed have developed from the men's game. So I read a really interesting article by Karen Peck et al. in 2013, which is titled, The Instance of Injury Among Male and Female Intercollegiate Rugby Players. And this article basically explains the difference in probability of men and women sustaining different injuries. So this uh, article found that women were 5.3 times more likely to tear their ACR than men were. Although they don't specifically know exactly why this is, I think it's likely to be due to kind of physiological or biomechanical characteristics in women. So basically the way that um, women's muscles and tendons and ligaments all fits together and works means that specific movements which are used in rugby lead to a higher chance of ACL tear. And in fact, loads of studies, including this one, also found that in the UK, women have a much higher concussion rate than men and um, younger players. And this isn't just in rugby. This is in loads of different sports which females play. And so research has also suggested that female athletes are not only more likely to sustain a concussion, but also to have more severe symptoms and to actually take longer to recover. Now, this is really interesting because male and females play exactly the same game. So why do females sustain more concussions in rugby? Well, there's three main theories as to why this could be. So the first is that it could be that because female necks are less muscular and they're slimmer than male necks, then this could mean that because the men have a thicker and more muscular neck, they essentially have a stronger base for their head, meaning that after a sharp movement in the head, which could happen during a tackle in rugby, the head movement is reduced in males compared to females because they have a stronger neck and a stronger base. A second theory is due to an actual difference in the female and brain anatomy itself. So female brains are thought to have a slightly faster metabolism than male brains. And so this means if a head injury was to disrupt the blood supply to the brain, this would disrupt the supply of glucose and oxygen in the blood. And this could actually cause greater damage if the female brain does have a higher metabolism because it requires more of this glucose and oxygen in greater rates. And so the third and possibly the most interesting theory suggests that this difference in concussion rates could actually be due to differences in hormones. So researchers at the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry found that concussion injuries during the follicular phase of the menstrual cycle, which is after menstruation, actually led to shorter and less serious symptoms than uh, concussion injuries which were sustained during the luteal phase, which is before menstruation. It's quite unclear why this could be, but it's likely to be due to hormones. And another study showed that females which were taking the contraceptive pill were less likely to suffer severe symptoms after concussion than women who weren't taking the pill. And this is thought to be due to having more consistent levels of hormones over the month for those that are taking the contraceptive pill, rather than kind of large increases and decreases in hormones for those of you that aren't taking the contraceptive pill. So, whilst this is just one study which is suggesting this and it's not kind of bulletproof evidence, it might just be enough to convince those of you who potentially aren't practicing safe sex. So contraceptive pill, win-win for rugby players. So to sum all this research up, I found it really, really interesting because it means that we can begin to consider adapting the women's game or the women's training in rugby to not make the game easier by reducing the pitch size or the ball size or any other stupid um, questions that a lot of people think the, the women's game is actually like, but we could potentially change some of the techniques which we use or potentially even some of the rules, to make the game more suited to female physiology, compared to the traditional game which we play, which was actually designed for the male physiology. But either way, I think it's really exciting that there's been a lot more research recently, focused specifically on the female physiology in rugby, and female training, and the way females are affected by the game, and so I think this is exciting for the future. So moving on to possibly my favourite question which people ask, and actually I think the question that I've been asked personally myself the most and I imagine a lot of the girls have feel like they've been asked the most, is, are you all gay? Or, oh, you play rugby, you must be a lesbian. Right. (laughs) So, (laughs) I know uh, throughout many years, people in the club have actually calculated how many people identify as straight or as gay, or all the in-between, and saying in-between, there's someone that I really want to mention right now, but I definitely shouldn't. And so, although I don't know the exact figures of how many people identify as what, I can tell you for sure that we aren't all gay, not that there would be a problem if we were. Um, And there are a lot of other female sports which potentially have more gay members um, or also have gay members. And so I'm not really sure why rugby specifically gets these kind of questions. And there's a stereotype around rugby that if you play rugby, that this means you're gay. Um, More recently, there's been a lot more females getting involved in the sport. And I think it's become less of a niche sport with women kind of believing in strong, not skinny and a lot of movements like that and that all kinds of people with all different cultures, backgrounds, sexualities are trying it out. But either way, even if every single female rugby player on the entire planet was gay, so be it, you know? You don't see people asking if all the boys on the basketball team have brown eyes, or if all the rugby players are left-handed. So if you could come up with a more interesting question than are you all gay next time, that would be great. Thank you very much. And so the kind of final question which rugby players are potentially asked, which I want to touch up on very briefly, not so much a question, maybe more of a misconception, is that yes, a hooker is a rugby position. If you are a hooker, you are an integral part of the scrum and of lineouts and of the entire rugby game, and you are not a prostitute who sells your body for money. Is that okay? Yep. Okay, great. So whilst I was doing research for this podcast, I had a look on some Reddit threads where people were asking um, for opinions on female rugby players. I just thought I'd share with you guys what I saw because I thought it was really interesting. So one of the most popular comments uh, said that anyone who goes on a rugby pitch has my respect, whether they're a male or a female. So I thought that was nice. And another comment said, females love rugby. They have a fantastic attitude and sportsmanship that comes with the game and the culture. And that they like to put in a few at the pub after the game with teammates and opponents alike. And I thought that basically summed up the differences, that there isn't a difference, really. We all play rugby and that's that. But whilst looking on these Reddit threads, I came across a really interesting comment which I wanted to bring up. So I presume this was from a female, and um, she'd said, I really want to give it a shot, but I'm terrified of losing my teeth slash breaking my nose. And this really got me thinking, because a lot of people often say that they want to play rugby and they want to try it, but they're scared of the injuries which they could potentially sustain. And so the fact that this woman had specifically said that she was terrified of losing her teeth or breaking her nose, meant that I could look into debunking this yet again. So, what is the leading cause of tooth loss, you asked? Well, it's actually gum disease among adults, and it accounts for 70% of missing teeth. Um, Gum disease is usually caused by poor oral hygiene, and I think it's safe to say that none of you are scared of not brushing your teeth after a night out, or not brushing your teeth after eating too many sweets, And so I'm not really sure why people are scared of losing their teeth from rugby. I can guarantee you that no one in our club has lost their teeth currently, we all have a nice full shed of gnashes and we currently have 76 members. And so yeah, I think it's safe to say that is debunked. And so the other comment which this woman said was that she was terrified of breaking her nose. So I looked into this and the most common causes of breaking your nose are contact sports, um, but also car crashes, motorcycle accidents or fighting. And the most common sports to break your nose in are basketball, boxing, football, hockey, martial arts, and surprisingly not rugby. Interestingly, some of the other quite common causes of breaking your nose include walking into walls and falling over. And so I'm pretty sure that none of you are scared to walk around walls, to walk in general, or to play any common sports like football. And so therefore rugby shouldn't be an issue if you're scared of breaking your nose. So although I'm calling this debunking, it may seem like I'm taking the piss out of people's fears of playing rugby. Basically, all I'm trying to say is that it's not as serious as you think. I've played for two years now and I haven't had any serious injuries. And um, yeah, people genuinely have worse injuries, climbing trees, walking around, falling over. And I can guarantee that 99.9% of you listening to this podcast go on nights out. And you probably got pretty bad injuries from drunken nights out. So don't let injuries put you off rugby. So now I'm going to be moving on to looking at some common misconceptions about women's sport in general. So the first misconception I want to talk about is that no one cares about women's sport and that no one watches it. Now, it's undeniable that men's sport get a lot more coverage and a lot more media attention, but I think that is because they are more popular. Um, This could be because in the past, and probably still now, there are more men involved in sport than women. However, this is changing rapidly, and I think we're seeing women's sport growing today massively, um, unlike it ever has before. But in terms of nobody actually caring about women's sport and no one watching it, well, I'm here to debunk that. So in the 2017 Euros, which is a football tournament, the Women's England team reached the semi-finals against Holland. And this was actually watched by a peak audience of 4 million people, which is insane. And the Women's FIFA World Cup last year in 2019 saw a peak audience of 7.6 million people who watched England beat Norway 3-0, which led to the England women then reaching the World Cup semi-finals. So this is an insane number of people that are wanting to watch females play football. But to just put these figures into perspective for you, um, the Aviva Premiership Rugby, which is the league where Saracens, Quins, Bath, etc. play in, there was a combined season audience of 7.88 million viewers on BT Sport. So roughly this means that there was the same number of viewers who watched the entire Premiership Rugby season who also watched the Women's Football World Cup quarterfinal. So (laughs) that's insane that you could have the same number of people who watch one game um, who then watch an entire premiership rugby season. Um, And I potentially think that this says a lot about the popularity of football compared with rugby. But it also shows that women's sport is finally receiving the recognition and the interest which it truly deserves. Another quite astonishing fact was in the IC Women's World Cup in 2017, the English women's cricket team lifted the trophy on live television. And this was the highest audience across any cricket programming on spy Sports for that entire season. So whilst male sports still does tend to attract much larger audiences and therefore lead to higher brand interests, more advertising, higher wages, etc. I think we're finally seeing that gap closing. And I think I've definitely proven that it's not true that no one cares about women's sport and that no one watches it. So I also looked into when the first governing bodies for the male and female versions of sport and the first matches of certain sports were founded just for a comparison. So the men's RFU was founded in 1871, whereas the women's RFU was founded in 1994. So this is roughly about just over 100 years difference. And the first men's cricket match occurred in 1844, whereas the first women's cricket match was in 1934. So This is just less than 100 years. So female sport is roughly about 100 years behind men's in terms of it being founded then when we're looking at these figures that I've just been speaking about, it shows that women really are catching up fast. And I think in the next decades to come, this gap is going to be closed massively. And I think female sport is really going to become a lot more popular and a lot more prevalent in social media. And so the final misconception, which I want to discuss today, is that women's sport is only watched by women. So the audience for the women's cricket World Cup final was 68% male, which is similar to the men's cricket programmes. And so there was actually more men watching this final than there were females. In the Women's Football World Cup, there was a fairly even split between men and women watching, with 53% of the audience being male and 47% being female. So firstly, this shows that men are just as interested in watching female sport as females are, and this therefore completely debunks the concept that women's sport is only watched by women. However, it also means that a higher proportion of females watch female sport than male sport. The male FIFA World Cup final had a 63% male audience compared with a 37% female audience, meaning that the proportions of females which were watching the female World Cup final was higher than the proportion of females that were watching the male World Cup final. This could mean that female sport being broadcasted and gaining media attention makes females more likely to watch compared to a men's equivalent game. And this could actually help to attract more females into trying out a new sport by giving them the motivation and the belief that they too could achieve what these females have on television through sport. So to kind of conclude, people are becoming a lot more interested in women's sport, males and females, and very slowly but surely, female sport is getting more media attention, the pay gap is becoming smaller between the genders, slowly but surely, and overall more females are getting involved in sport. So hopefully today I've been able to debunk a load of misconceptions about female sport, but also about rugby. And for those of you that think that you may have learned something from this podcast, hopefully before you ask a female rugby player or a female who's involved in any kind of sport, you might think twice about the kind of questions that you're asking. But if you take anything from this podcast today, yes, myself and the members of Luroff are all female. We do play a game, a sport called rugby. None of us have our nose broken and we all have a full set of teeth. So thank you so much for joining us today on the You Play Rugby question mark podcast. Be sure to check out our Instagram at L-U-U-W-R-F-U-C and our Twitter at L-U-U Women's Rugby for updates on upcoming episodes and to follow our rugby journey. See you next time.